Well, there you've heard it. And now, for Geordie. Hello there, how are you going on? Translated, it means good morning. How, how are we? How do you do? Yes, how do you do? Yes, taught these students in India, that one. Said, how do English people greet one another? They say, how do you do? But I also said, you never answer the question. Because you respond by saying, how do you do? And they don't answer the question either. Grateful. Let's stand together. I believe God wants to do something very special among us this morning. I was just thinking about the stones of remembrance that the people of God would raise on significant parts of their journey. And we are on a journey together. We have our individual journey, but we are on a journey together in Jesus. And when they had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, tell the 12 men, as it happened to be, to pile up stones, to carry them with you and to pile them up in order that they might be an eternal remembrance for what the Lord has done in you crossing over the Jordan. And this morning, my prayer is, uh, we don't simply have a sermon. All the people said, that doesn't mean we're finished. But that we have an encounter with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Because that is who we are. That is what we are created for that ongoing journey of discovering more and more of Jesus through the power of the Spirit. Those piles of stones were known as Ebenezer's. And I never really got that as a young lad in the Methodist church singing the hymn, Here I Raise My Ebenezer. I had absolutely no idea what an Ebenezer was, but I was ready to raise it anyway. And this morning, I would like every one of us to be able to say, this morning was a significant time. I'm raising my Ebenezer, that stone of remembrance this morning, as we encounter Jesus afresh by the Holy Spirit. So just wherever you are, just close your eyes. And just home in on Jesus and answer this question is my heart open to the spirit of God this morning is my heart open to the spirit of God this morning I believe even if your heart is open a little bit God will use that little bit because our Heavenly Father is so, so faithful to us, so generous to us, that He takes us from where we are to where He wants us to be. So you may have been a Christian here for decades. You may have been a Christian for a matter of a few days or weeks. Your gracious, generous Heavenly Father takes you from where you are this morning to where he wants you to be in him.
So Father, right now, I just pray. And we just pray, just wherever you are, just open your mouth, just pray out loud. Don't worry about the people next to you. But we pray together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just call upon him. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, I ask right now that as we come to you, you will speak to every one of us. That we will hear your voice. We will know that touch of the Holy Spirit to the glory of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please, just take your seats. I'm just going to ask James, who was leading worship, I'm not going to embarrass you too much, James. Just can you come out and join us a moment? Just a tremendous job leading us this morning. But before we go, he's, look, he's looking very nervous. And I've got to say, James, if I were in your position, I would look nervous as well. Just turn to your neighbor and say, what's the deepest sin in your life? Turn. No, James. No, just turn around. I want you to see what's on the back of his T-shirt. There is always something more. See, that was easy, James. You can sit down. That was it. You can sit down now. There is always something more. And that really sums up what God wants to say to each and every one of us this morning. And James is so relieved that that's all it is. There is always something more for the people of God to receive from their loving, generous, heavenly Father. And that should give every one of us that sense of confidence, that security, that no matter how old we are, (laughs) you know, gone are the years when I could say, no matter how young I am, no matter how old we are or how young we are, God, our generous Heavenly Father, always has something more for us. You know, we have the Bible which is full of the promises of God. And sometimes we can read over passages and we skip over them and we don't realize the full depth and the richness and the glory of the promise God has made to us. So let's begin with John chapter 1. How many people have access to the scriptures this morning? Don't don't answer that. How many people are playing a game on their telephone? That's probably more like it. But when we come to John chapter 1, verses 11 and 30, I want you to listen to this promise, because everything else that I want to say this morning flows out of this one promise of God. The rich promise of God to everyone who calls on the name of Jesus. And it's this. He came to that which was his own. That's Jesus. But his own did not receive Jesus. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, how many people here believe in his name? Good. That's it, fine. The promise to those who believe in his name is this. That he gave the right to become children of God. Glory! You have been given through faith in Jesus the right to be called children 
of God. What a fantastic place we occupy in that relationship with the Father. And when it speaks of being given the right, it's God the Father who takes the initiative. He says, I want you in my family. He takes that initiative. And in Christ, that was the great initiative of all. That sin, the very thing that would separate us from God the Father, was dealt with. And through believing in Jesus, we are now adopted into his family. Every one of us here who believes in Jesus, we are adopted children with the full rights of access to the Father. We are here because of the generosity of our Father. And our Father gives in a different way to the way we often give. You know, sometimes when we're faced with a situation where we're challenged to give, the, 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 the thoughts go through our mind. How little can I get away with? Now, come on, it's just me. Sometimes we come and we think, how little? How little can I give to appease my conscience in this situation? When God gives to his people, he is never thinking about how little he can get away with. But there is the superabundant generosity of our loving Heavenly Father. He gave Jesus. What more could he do than to give his one and only Son, as John 3.16 says, but I refuse to uh, mention that passage because it's so well known. I want to stick with this whole idea that as we believe in Jesus, he gives us the right to become children of God. Born not of the flesh, but born of the Spirit. This is the wonderful, wonderful place we occupy, the position we occupy as believers in Jesus. As we place our trust in him, as we accept and welcome Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and so establish that personal relationship. Adoption. Now that is a whole new subject for another time. But you know, in the process of adoption, there is that time when you perhaps have the child, but the final legal stamp has not appeared on the paperwork. So there's that season where the child is yours, but isn't quite. And sometimes, you know, we can live in that spiritual realm of, uh, yes, I've been adopted, but not quite. And the Father wants us to have that full assurance that when you are adopted by the Father, there is never a not quite. There is always that stamp, because the stamp was the death of Jesus on the cross. And Jesus didn't half die. It wasn't a half sacrifice. It wasn't a sacrifice that was good enough for the person sitting next to you, but not for you. Because the devil will tell you that your sin is worse than the person sitting next to you. Now just look at the person sitting next to you. It's not true, is it? And husbands and wives, you can have a really good discussion on your way home this afternoon. Is your sin worse than mine? You see, there are no half-saved in the kingdom of God. There are no are almost adopted in the kingdom of God. You are either adopted or you are not adopted, and it all is determined upon your faith in Jesus. And in that, we can have absolute security. Because the security comes not from my ability to hold on to him, but on his ability to hold on to me. So right now, I just want you to close your eyes again. And I'm not going to ask James to come out because he's cleared off somewhere. 
But I want you to consider, do you know in your heart that you have that full assurance of being adopted through the death of Jesus? And this morning, if you do not have that full assurance, you can do business with God. You can come to God and say, Father, I want to receive Jesus afresh. Father, I come to you with all my doubts and all my weaknesses and all my failings, but that today will be a new day as I place my trust in Jesus totally and you will come and you will put that final stamp of adoption upon me. So there is no lack of assurance. Jesus wants us to be assured that his sacrifice was sufficient and we live in the glory of that. Amen. You see, I think many... Many people live, it's almost like they live in the shadow of the cross. I don't believe we're called to live in the shadow of anything other than the love of God. We're called to live in the glory of the cross. When Jesus walked from that tomb, it enabled every one of us to enter into that relationship with the Father. And you can begin that today if you do not already have it. God, as our series says, is generous. Right through the scriptures, we read of the generosity of God. And we could spend many, time, many uh, an hour looking at just God, how God has been generous to his people, even though they were wayward. You look at the children of Israel journeying through the uh, wilderness towards the promised land. They got it wrong time and time again, but God provided for them. He blessed them. They saw miracles because he is that generous God. Scripture, Lamentations 3 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Now you need to believe that for yourself. You need to have that dwelling deep within your heart. Because that is where our assurance comes from. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And the steadfast love of the Lord is big enough to encompass your rubbish. Isn't that great? You know, God does not call us to recycle in the kingdom of God. Now, before all you environmentalists get excited, right? Because I know somebody will say, hey, why can't we? Yes, we do. We put all of our recycling stuff in the right bin. It is collected by the right lorry and then probably taken to a landfill. But that's another another story. He comes to us every morning. says, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And we can declare that each and every day. Because it's out of his steadfast love that each and every one of us is enriched day by day. Now, I want to jump forward from the Old Testament to look into the book of uh, Corinthians. Because as we look at a particular passage in Corinthians, it will establish what your view of church will be. Because your view of this passage will determine what you think we should look like as we gather together in groups large and small. The church at Corinth... Paul is writing to this church something like 20 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. But he's writing to a group of people who knew the reality of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because the generous Father who poured out his Spirit on the day of Pentecost never ever stopped pouring out his Spirit. 
And sometimes we can be led up this garden path. Day of Pentecost, then. He stopped. And now we have a little bit of a taste of it now. No. The Father never stopped pouring out His Spirit from the day of Pentecost. The reality is people stopped receiving. The church closed its mind to the things of the Spirit. And sort of systemized everything. But Paul, writing to this church that knew the reality and power of the day of Pentecost for themselves, he's writing to the people and he says this, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been, rich, have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony of Christ among you. And here, he sort of blows your mind because he says, Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await our Lord Jesus to be, to be revealed. In other words, as they're living and looking for the return of Jesus, which we all should be, we all should have our minds fixed on the day Jesus is going to return. That is a promise of Jesus. But in, that, in this intervening time, it says, we should not lack any spiritual gift. And Paul is thanking God that the Corinthians, with all of their problems, with all of their faults, with all of their weaknesses, had been blessed superabundantly by Almighty God out of His generous heart, and they lacked no spiritual gift. Gift. Where does a gift come from? It comes from the giver. Oh, it's amazing. The depth of this stuff is just amazing. It comes from the giver. Just as our Heavenly Father said to all who believed in Jesus, He gave the right to become children of God. So out of His generous heart, God continues to pour out His gifts upon His children. And when we look at that passage from 1 Corinthians 12... It's incredible how some commentators will brush over that bit completely. They don't know what to do with that bit about spiritual gifts because it's not real to them. So you'll end up with chapter after chapter about love being important, which we wholeheartedly agree with. But we need to grasp that as a community, God has granted to us every every spiritual gift to be used within the community in the 21st century. For 2,000 years after the day of Pentecost, God is as faithful today as He was then. He's as generous today as He was then. And He wants us to be open to receive what He has given us. But if you believe that these gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 are not available today, you're in the wrong church. Because we are firmly committed to the biblical view that what God promised then is available now. We are firmly committed to the view that what was evidenced in the church of Corinth through the spiritual gifts is available to us to now. That every gift is available to every believer and it's up to us as to whether we receive and are open to receive those gifts. So if you're reading through the book of 1 Corinthians, which I encourage you to do, you will see a community that had its faults. Now, we identify 
Not possibly with some of the specifics in Corinthians. But we can identify that we are an unfinished work, if you like. We have our struggles. We have our faults and have our weaknesses. And we don't set about to make mistakes. You don't get up in the morning on a a Monday morning and say, Oh, I am going to make mistakes this morning. We we just happen to make them. And the, the Corinthian believers... What a pastoral nightmare. I mean, just think, if you're the pastoral team at Corinth, and again, read through the book of Corinthians and see all of the challenges there. You would have your work cut out. But God is faithful. God was faithful to his promise. For on the day of Pentecost, he said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Men and women, Young and, thank you all the old ones who cottoned on to that, yes. When you do that, as the young ones just sit quietly, you say, and then the old ones, oh yes, I'm included. In a few verses in Acts, the promise is made available to every person who's ever called upon the name of Jesus. Every person, the promise of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12, he says, Now, brothers, this is Paul speaking, about the gifts of the Spirit, I do not want you to be uninformed, or I do not want you to be ignorant. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So you're not here, you're not operating in spiritual gifts to make a name for yourself. You're operating in spiritual gifts in order to equip the church to be the body of Christ in its context. In our 21st century context here in the UK. And he goes on and says, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous power. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to another the interpretation of tongues. Hey! Nine gifts mentioned and classically have been divided into three groups of three. The power to speak, the power to know, and the power to do. And that's your homework to work out which is in which group. And there is a slight overlap. But the thing is, how do we respond to this passage? How how do our hearts and how should our spirits respond to this passage? Because if these gifts are to be consigned to the history books, then we are wasting our time. We do not have any further response. The gifts are gone, they're past, they're dead. We don't even need to worry about it. But if we take the scripture, eagerly desire spiritual gifts to be applicable to us today, then there is a response of our heart to our generous God who has made all of these things available. And it comes down to us having a generous response to the generous heart of our God. That we, in obedience to his word, eagerly desire, eagerly pursue. And this is every one of us. We need to have that individual response because as each individual responds to that call of God, the result is a community who is filled with the Spirit, eagerly desiring the spiritual gifts. And we make space for that. We've had various gifts manifested here this morning. But... As the t-shirt says, 
There is something more. God has something more for each and every one of us today. Responding to the gifts. Now, I would like, there's a picture I need. Up now, Andrew. Ah! Now, does anyone know what that is? No? (laughs) You can always rely on Richard, who is short short of sight. And I mean, he can't see, bless him. But it does take a little while for that to sink in. We were in our small group the other night, and I gave him a hymn sheet to look at. But here we have a picture of Quadro. Does anyone know... Richard, shush. Does anyone know what Quadro is, was? Anyone? Hey! One or two really old people. Quadro was a building. Oh, sorry, did you... Do you know what... Oh, you are anointed. Glory. We have one anointed young person here this morning. It was a, a building kit. You used to get these dirty, long uh, plastic tubes with all the fittings and you would put them together in order to make something that should have looked like that. Now, I remember we bought our girls when they were young, very young. We bought them this kit one Christmas and it spent Christmas Eve. You know, have you ever spent Christmas Eve putting the thing together for the kids and you regret ever having bought it? So you put the thing together You're there, it's in the lounge, ready for them coming down to be overwhelmed and awestruck by the generosity of daddy. Possibly mother, but daddy, because daddy put it together, you see. So you get them to come down. And they get into the front room before you do. This is usually a rule of Christmas Day. The kids will beat you to the presents. And they get there, and you're you're coming down the stairs. (laughs) Oh, this is this is fantastic. They're going to be overwhelmed by this wonderful house and slide that has been built with loving care and a great deal of frustration. You open the door. And what do you find? The kit which has been built and in the front in the very middle of the room is totally ignored. They're playing in the box that came in. And this box is wonderful because it's a big box. It's probably about a metre high. One half metre square. It's a big, big box and both of them could fit in together. And they're thinking this is absolutely fantastic. And you think, why didn't I just buy them a box? (laughs) You know, God wants us to have the right response to the gifts of the Spirit. He doesn't want us to play, in in a sense, with the wrapping. He doesn't want us just to play with words. He wants us to avail ourselves of the gifts themselves in order that we can be Christ to one another, Christ to the world, the church built up, and a powerful testimony to the world in which we live. Because the gifts enable us to be Jesus to the world. The gifts enable us and empower us to be Jesus out there in the world. They're not for our... Nice enjoyment, but they are there in order to equip us to be the people God wants us to be. Thank you, Andrew.
So now in future, if you ever ask what is quad row, you will be able to put your hand up. We need to be a people who say yes to the Holy Spirit. We need to be a people who say yes to the Holy Spirit. And that is a generous response, if you like, towards the generous heart of God. And say, Father, I want everything you have got to give me. It tells you in the scriptures, you read it further on, it says, he will give to each one accordingly. So we, we have that individual response to make. We have that individual journey to establish. But we need to be eager to receive the gifts and to be open to any gift at any time. Because that's the equipping of the people of God from the generous heart of God. I'm going to ask if the music group will return. And can we just stand, please? I believe there is a response. I have no desire to embarrass anyone. But there is a response we need to make this morning. Where you have to consider... What is going on in your own heart and what is your response to the word where it says eagerly desire spiritual gifts? Because that was not something simply for the Corinthians, but it's something for every Christian of every age. And we as a church have grasped hold of that. And as a charismatic church, it is almost who we are in Jesus And you know, there are many, many things in church life which are up for discussion. This is not one of them. We are totally and absolutely as an eldership committed to driving ahead to pursue all that God has got for us, including the gifts of the Spirit. And I say that because I think there's so much more that isn't included in this list of nine gifts. This is not an exhaustive list. I think it's just an indication. But where are you? Some of you have dabbled with spiritual gifts. Fantastic. Let's move on. Some of you have a defined ministry, if you like. There are those who are gifted in prophecy among us in this body. How did they begin? They did not begin with a track record. You can't begin with a track record. You've got to start somewhere. So just wherever you are, just please, just close your eyes. And I was just considering where, how we bring this, if you like, to a, a close. Some preachers use that phrase to say they're finished. Not this morning. <laughs> In Ezekiel 47, there is an incredible picture of a river flowing and a person is taken to the very banks of that river. I want you to imagine this. Just let your imagination loose here this morning. 
says that this is 47. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. And water is often that symbol, symbol of the Holy Spirit. As the man went eastward, with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and led me through the water that was ankle deep. Now just picture yourself at the edge of a river and the water is just at the level of your ankles. He measured off another thousand and led me through that to water that was knee deep. It's getting deeper. You're getting deeper into the things of God. You're getting deeper into the things of the Spirit. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to my waist. There is always something more. Jesus is saying to you this morning, I want you to come from the shallow end. I want you to take a step out of the shallows. Because there are many here, you've experienced something of the gifts of the Spirit. You've experienced something of the power of the Spirit. But Jesus is calling you this morning to come deeper. Come deeper with me. Said he measured off another thousand, but now it was a river. I could not cross. Because the water had risen and I was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. That speaks to me of the limitless resources of our Heavenly Father in the power of the Spirit. Just wherever you are, just as William is doing there, he's expressing his desire to go deeper. And let's face it, William is known as a spiritual man among us, a tremendous gift of prophecy. But if you were to say to William, what do you want? He would say, I want to go deeper into the things of the Spirit. I want to know Jesus better than I know him now. Now there are people here and in your experience, you see yourself as being in the shallows. In the shallows. If that is you, I just want you to recognize that within your own heart and say, Jesus, I want to move from the shallows to deeper water. I want to move from the ankle deep to the knee deep. There are those here who you just recognize and you can say, no, I see myself as being in the, the knee deep. No, you've got to go to the waist deep. And if you're at the waist deep, brothers and sisters, there's a torrent to carry you on in the things of God that you have not yet experienced. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just wherever you are, just express your heart to God. Because He's wanting to lead us on. And as we take these decisions this morning, I believe what we do is we raise up an Ebenezer. We lay that milestone, if you like, that marker that says, today has been a significant day. And after Isla has shared, we're going to be praying with people. And I want to pray with people who either have never even got into this ankle deep. 
It's almost like you're standing on the back and you're watching. I want to pray with people who are determined to go deeper in the things of the Spirit. And if you have never made that decision to follow Jesus and you want to know the deep assurance of being adopted into his family once and for all, we'll pray with you as well. This is an all-encompassing prayer for the young, for the old, for the men, for the women. Because Jesus has a purpose he wants to fulfill in and through us this morning.